Mail's here. It's two minutes later than yesterday. And because you know it's six minutes earlier than the day before, you decided it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Deezer. Anywhere else you get your pods on your smartphone device. Make sure to hit me on Twitter at MikeLSports as well. We are brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College, Stanley Law Offices, and our terrific friend Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State Tax Efficient Retirement Planning. Go with Brian today. I'm telling you, we are super happy with our financial future. Whether you're planning on retirement or sending a youngster to college, Brian has the right plans for you every time. Advisors.massmutual.com. He's on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State, the official financial advisor of the ML Sports Platter. A huge tip of the cap. Thank you as well to the Swan family and the Whitaker family for their support of the program. Nick Saban, I mean, I, I did some videos this week on, on Alabama and their crazy success, and, and I don't think that there's any doubting uh, it anymore uh, as far as Alabama goes. I mean, I think I think what Saban has done at Alabama, and this will end up being a Saban-only podcast in terms of not just the greatest coach in college football history, but I'm now of the belief that he's the greatest head coach in the history of college sports. Uh, it didn't necessarily take this championship for me to believe that. I'll explain more why uh, I've been getting to this point. Uh, I actually started to get real close to this point last year when they didn't even make the college football playoff. But then this year uh, really put me over the edge. Uh, it wasn't just this year. This year just happened to put me over the edge. It's been a few years in the making of, of feeling this way. And I know the names, Coach K and Wooden and Oriam. I know, I know. And we'll get to it in a minute. But, like, as far as Alabama's concerned, I mean, you know, I'm um, – I just am I'm blown away by this whole thing and and for a while I thought you know it, it, it it's Alabama and Clemson and everybody else and then Ohio State drubs Clemson and I'm like well maybe that podcast that I did not too long ago you know maybe there is a third team <laughs> nope nope just because Ohio State beat Clemson in one year eh? oops and then Ohio State loses 52 to 24. And now what you've seen is Alabama, and I know Yale has the most championships of all time, but Yale hasn't won since 1927. They won 18 football championships when there were no helmets, when it was a different era, when the SEC wasn't even around from 1874 to 1927. And I'm sure then it was a very impressive resume. But now nobody cares. It's almost 100 years later. It was football back in the Dark Ages. Alabama's the greatest program in the history of college football. They can claim the most titles in the poll era, only three of its 16 coming prior, 16th title a win in the college football playoff in this 2020 season, and Nick Saban has surpassed Bear Bryant with seven championships. It's just at this point, it's not close. 
Princeton, last win in 1922, same thing, Dark Ages. I mean, the closest program at this point is Notre Dame, and Notre Dame can't even compete with Alabama. Notre Dame hasn't won the national championship since I was nine years old. I am now 40. Notre Dame is also three behind Alabama in championships. It's getting so ridiculous with Alabama that they have nine more championships than Michigan. By the way, when you have nine more championships than Michigan, Saban has six of those. It's absurd. I'm going to do an Alabama pod later. I'm going to do a lot on the pros. I'm going to do a lot on why they're everything you. I mean, think about that. Everything you. What does that mean, right? Linebacker you, wide receiver you, quarterback you. Usually universities have their distinction of, um, you know, being uh, most known for a player. Well, what are you going to do with Alabama? You're going to pick running back? Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram wins a Heisman, right? Henry now having a great career, right? And then Najee Harris. You're going to pick the quarterback? Okay, A.J. McCarron, eh, Tua, you know, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, <laughs> wide receiver. Eh, it's all right, I guess, right? It's okay. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Ruggs, Mari Cooper, and the triple threat here with Waddle, Mechie, and the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. Let's get to Nick Saban first. You know, you go back to 2007, and you got to read the bio, and there will be another bio at least, if not five, by the time Nick Saban is done and retired. And by the way, he makes $9.3 million. It almost feels like it's a bargain, right? Like, he went into schools when he got the job at, at, at you know, high schools, Hoover, et cetera, in, in Alabama. and said, look, you know, we're going we're gonna to recruit here. We're going we're gonna to do our thing here. Uh, we need hometown kids to, to win here. And the West Virginia native got hometown kids. He got five-star, four-star kids to say, look, I'm not leaving the state for LSU. I'm not leaving for Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Florida, Florida State, Louisiana State University, wherever. I'm going to get these kids first. I'm going to make them buy in. We're not going to lose any four or five-star kids. This is Alabama. We're going to win national championships. And since that moment, and using part LSU strategy, which was I'm going to get the football player first, uh, the athlete first, the football player second. He used some of that strategy at Alabama until he started to really groom the roster. Alabama has been dominant. Alabama has won six titles under Nick Saban. And, you know, you, you oftentimes wonder the course of history, how does it change if Nick Saban stays with the Miami Dolphins? You know, he gets a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of blame, which I think is totally unfair uh, with the Miami Dolphins. He accepted that spot in 04. And people forget, people forget they narrowly missed the playoffs in 2000, uh, in, in uh, what year was it? 2004. You know, they went 9-7 and seven in his first season. And I know that they were expected two years later to contend for a playoff spot. But they went with Dante Culpepper, and Nick Saban didn't want Dante Culpepper. He wanted Drew Brees. And I don't know exactly what would have happened because of the weapons around him. The roster wasn't exactly amazing. 
But, like, you had Joey Harrington. You had Dante Culpepper, who got hurt. You had Cleo Lemon. And you had an 1,000-yard runner in Ronnie Brown, which is nice. But Saban gets fired. And he was the one... Well, actually, he didn't really... He didn't really get... Well, I don't even know. I mean, it was like a parting ways because Saban told... Wayne Huizinga, that he had accepted an offer to coach Alabama. But chances are that if that meeting had ended the way Huizinga wanted it to end, he would have been fired. So, I mean, he, you know, it's one of those indirect fires. It's like when you get pulled into an office, we're like, we're going to give you the chance to resign or we're going to fire you. And Saban basically was like, you know, gave him the F you. Well, actually, I'm going to be the Alabama head coach, right? And I wasn't inside the room and neither were you. But we know how this shit goes. We know how this stuff goes in corporate settings, and, and I'm sure that some of it's different at the NFL level, and a lot of it's not, right? Neither here nor there. Nick Saban wanted Drew Brees. You know, Nick Saban was a pretty successful, if you ask me, defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns under Bill Belichick. He was a successful assistant coach going back to his days at grad assistant linebacker coach Kent State, outside linebackers at Syracuse. West Virginia, D-backs, Ohio State, Navy, Michigan State, Houston Oilers, Toledo, Cleveland Browns, Michigan State. He had an eye for talent. And he could coach and he could motivate. And then, bah, boom, he gets his first real, real gig head coach at LSU. And it's instant. It's 8-4. and four. It's Peach Bowl. Had some lopsided losses, Auburn, Florida, but he, but he got there. He got to the SEC Championship and... You know, Sugar Bowl victory and overcame some early things. And then the expectations started to build and build and build and build and build. And, you know, that 2003 season was crazy, you know. Five straight wins. Um, You know, they lose to Florida. They don't lose again. They beat Georgia in the SEC Championship. And they beat Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, the BCS. And they won the national championship in 04, had a 9-3 and season, lost to Iowa in the Capital One Bowl. It was a final play TD, whatever. Um, and then Saban left LSU to go to the, the Miami Dolphins. And so there's two areas of, of historical narrative. Number one, he leaves LSU for Miami. Number two, he leaves Miami for Alabama. But when you look at, when you look at LSU and when you look at Alabama, you have seven national championships. You have one at LSU and you have six at Alabama. He has nine SEC championships. He has 11 MAC championships. Um, Excuse me, 11. Gosh, one MAC championship, 11. One MAC championship at Toledo. I mean, gosh. And he has 11 SEC Western Division championships. Okay? I'm just going to kind of go one by one by one by one. When you look at this, he has the most national championships. Period. That in and of itself, you're judged by the crowns, he has the most. Number two, he's he's coached at two premier programs where there are never enough expectations. It is impossible to succeed when you go 10-2. and two. Think about that. You could coach five years at an SEC program like Bama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, and you go 10-2 and two every year. And if you do quick math on that, right... For five years, five years, 12 regular season games, if you go 50 and 10, 
you're a failure to the fan base. That is, I mean, just think about that, right? <clears throat> you go 11-1 and one at some of these places, and people are pissed off. Nick Saban has dominated with those expectations. As Nick Saban grew LSU, and make no mistake about it, LSU wasn't that LSU, and it wasn't the LSU of last year under Eddie Ogeron and the, com- and the company, the coaching staff, Joe Brady, getting Joe Burrow, etc., it wasn't that LSU, and it wasn't that LSU last year until Saban got there. Recruited the athlete first, the football player second, molded people into spots, knew that defense and special teams were just as important as the running game and offense in the SEC, understood expectations, taught his kids different things on the football field and discipline and this and that and fundamentals and tackling, winning on the road, winning at home, winning in the best division in football as well, year in, year out. He's won in the best division inside the best conference. You can't say that about anybody else in college football the last 30, 40 years, except for probably Urban Meyer at the time. Urban Meyer, Ohio State. Urban Meyer, Florida. Urban Meyer, Utah, to a certain extent. Right? Nick Saban has also created the pipeline to the NFL. Remember when Alabama players were like, eh, I don't know if they can really do it in the NFL. Oh, oh good. All the players I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, everything you, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, defensive linemen, linebackers, secondary, they're littered around the NFL. They are dominating in the NFL. Nick Saban, his coaching tree, wildly successful. They can't beat him, but they're still successful. The Georgia fan base might not think Kirby Smart is successful, I think he's successful. He's just not Nick Saban. Guess what? Nobody is. I don't know if Georgia can get up to that class of Clemson and Alabama. I'm not really sure. They keep pouring in recruiting classes on some occasion that are better than those schools. Still can't beat them. Another thing for Nick Saban that is enormous. He is incredible at providing development for guys. When he goes into your living room, he can promise you a national championship, and he can promise you going to the NFL, you're going to be four times the player from freshman year to junior year or senior year, and he delivers every time. Also, anybody want to pay attention to the Alabama Crimson Tide? Never in trouble. Ever in trouble. Ever. How about Nick Saban also, and and I'm just listing the reasons why he's the greatest of all time in college football history and in College sports history. Period. End of discussion. Anybody ever pay attention to the era that he's in? This isn't 1985. This isn't Joe Paterno's Penn State when you can just go out and get another linebacker and put him on the roster. There's a little thing called Title IX where your football roster is incredibly limited. You can't just go out and get 100 and some odd players. You can go out and 90 some odd players. You can't go out and get a seventh wide receiver if you're the Jimmy Johnson Miami Hurricanes. That's not how this shit works. You're Nick Saban. you got to limit your roster. Ba-boom. How about this? How about college football, despite the fact that Alabama and Clemson are at the top of the sport, although you could argue that it's pretty much Alabama and everybody else at this moment, only because if you live in the prison of the moment, Alabama destroyed everybody this year. Period. End of discussion. They won most games by almost 30 points destroyed Notre Dame, destroyed Ohio State, and I think they would have destroyed Clemson if they had had the chance. We'll never know, but Clemson didn't obviously deserve to be there. Ohio State did, and they got whacked by Alabama. But 
Anybody want to pay attention to, even though Alabama won 1A, Clemson 1B, or 2, Ohio State, whatever, Notre Dame 3, you know, anybody want to pay attention to, even though that they are the kings of the sport and the gap is real, anybody want to pay attention to how the rest of college football looks, the landscape, the competition, Florida, North Carolina, Indiana, Iowa State, kids can go anywhere now. Everybody has Nike or Under Armour. Every kid is on Twitter looking at everybody else's choices and colors and uniforms and this and that and the other thing. Everybody is running pro-style offenses, right? Every friggin' game is on TV. I mean, for God's sakes, Indiana, a basketball school, was good this year once the Big Ten got off its ass and decided to play, right? Coastal Carolina went 11-0. and If I'm a kid in Southern California and I'm a three-star and I ain't playing at USC but I can start at wide receiver and I can hammer tons of reps and I can maybe get to the NFL and, and play in a spread wide system and everybody who's in the NFL is good, right? Doesn't matter where you play in college. If you're good, you're good, right? So it might be a good fit for a kid to go to Buffalo, Louisiana, Iowa, Liberty, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Indiana, BYU, Northwestern, depending on who you are, what you need, and trying to get to the NFL. There are other ways to get to the NFL. Jackson State produced Walter Payton. Mississippi Valley State provided Jerry Rice. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. He's from Delaware, right? Coe College produced Fred Jackson. There are a million different cases where guys get to the NFL and have a ton of success. Oh, he was picked up off the practice squad. The Tulsa grad. The San Jose State grad. I mean, how many times do we read that? So it's not just Bama, Clemson, LSU, etc., Ohio State getting guys to the pros. They might be the best pros, sometimes not. But you get the point. Aaron Rodgers is from Cal. Cal is not a football factory. Aaron Rodgers played in the spread under Jeff Tedford. He had J.J. Arrington. He had Sean Jackson. Aaron Rodgers, first ballot Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers, different kind of deal, different kind of breed. Jake Fromm went to more of a football factory in Georgia. At Georgia, he's a disaster. He probably won't go long-term anywhere in the NFL. It could be wrong. He could have a renaissance later in his career like a Ryan Tannehill. But right now, he doesn't look like he has the goods and he doesn't look like he has the mojo to adjust to an NFL playbook. That's what people are saying as far as the backup quarterback is even concerned. You can get to the pros different ways. Nick Saban happens to have Alabama, the great college program, the greatest, right? But, like, you can still get to the pros elsewhere. What am I getting at? Alabama's never had more competition for guys not going to Alabama. (laughs) A wide receiver can look at a spread like Oklahoma and go, I might want to play for Lincoln Riley, though. Like, Julio Jones said, nah, I'm going to Alabama. Ridley, Ruggs, Judy, Cooper, Devontae Smith, Waddle, Mechie, they all decided on Alabama. They didn't decide on a high-powered offense in the Big 12. They didn't decide on a spread offense elsewhere, Pac-12, etc. They chose Alabama. And then once there, they've developed into it. Devontae Smith is a wide receiver who won the Heisman Trophy. How many wide receivers are winning the Heisman Trophy in college football? The answer, zero since Desmond Howard. Which brings me to Nick Saban's evolution. I'm going to get to that next. ML Sports Platter back with you, Welch and Company Jewelers and Bryant and Stratton College bringing it to you. Nick Saban's evolution in the game has been absolutely unbelievable. As all offenses have entered the game, the old Nick Saban play action, 
you know, use the run play action, beat you 20 to 17, get a couple of turnovers on defense, win special teams, beat you 17, 14, 23, 17, 27 to 24. The athlete's going to make a play. Don't worry about the football player. I got all that. Nope. He completely spins his system into offense, 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 good enough defense, and now is scoring 42, 45, 52 points routinely. Beating people to a pulp a different way. He has completely adjusted to the game as a defensive guy. And that's why Belichick, Saban, etc., you know, these guys getting labeled as, well, they're defensive head coaches historically. Bill Belichick should be known more for offense as a Patriots head coach, as a defense, a defensive coordinator. I mean, that's where he's more of a defensive coach. But I would argue he's more of an offensive guy with the Patriots because he had the wherewithal to bring in a Josh McDaniels. He had the wherewithal to 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 get Tom Brady in the draft finally. I mean, a lot of teams passed on him, what, two, three, four, five, six times. But eventually Belichick took him. Eventually he knew he wanted to go with him when they were deciding between him and Drew Bledsoe when Bledsoe was coming back from the injury, right? Like, and he created the slot receiver position pretty much in the Patriots offense, and then everybody copied that. Saban has redone his system to adjust to the offensive Tecmo Bowl world that we're in. Those are all the reasons why I think Nick Saban is is the greatest coach in college sports history. Now, you hear, who do you compare him to? Well, what about, come on, the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden. He's the first guy who comes up. He won 10 national championships. Guess what? He won in an era when I know that guys couldn't play varsity then. It just is, boggles your mind, doesn't it, that a Lou Cinder and Pete Maravich and guys could show up and not play in the first year. They were there, but he still played in an era where guys stayed. There was not much one and done. Luel Cinder, Bill Walton, a plethora of players. And really at this point, like Wooden has only three more than Nick Saban. In an era where like once you got really good and you had the best player in college basketball, which UCLA did for a very long time, for like a six to eight year stretch, all you did was just add more great players and you kept the best player. Doesn't work that way. Duke recruits Zion. You make the Elite Eight. Considered a failure by the fan base. Zion's gone. You have to go find another Zion. Good luck. The game wasn't as spread out. The tournament was smaller. The NIT was almost as big as the NCAA tournament. It was pretty darn close. Because 32 teams made it. And guess what? If you won the NIT... You could be considered maybe even like the fifth or sixth best team in, in, in college basketball because you beat a ton of teams that today would be a throw-in, not a throw-in, would be a slam dunk to make the NCAAs, right? And I understand errors are errors and we compare everything and all that, but I'm here to tell you that like I think what Nick Saban's done is more impressive than what John Wooden has done. You also look at UCLA, 1948 to 1975, if I check my math, you know, that's 27 years coaching, right, in, in, at UCLA. 27 years and 10 titles. Dudes, ladies, Nick Saban has been at Alabama for 13 years. He's won seven national championships total. Six of them are at Alabama. If you take his total college career, it's 
seven national championships in 20 years. You're winning one every three years. John Wooden won 10 in 27 years, which is pretty close. One in, you know, every three years. But when you just shrink it down to the Alabama, Nick Saban, UCLA, John Wooden, which is where both coaches will be remembered forever, Nick Saban has won one every two years. Wooden won one every three years. Again, we're splitting hairs. If you don't like splitting hairs, tough shit. That's what you do when you compare the greats. It's the only way to do it. The elites. <laughs> it's the only way to argue Nicholas versus Woods, Jordan versus LeBron, Wooden versus Saban, Brady versus Montana. You split hairs when you try to pick a guy. And if you pick one out of a basket blindfolded, it probably will be a great choice no matter what. But I'm giving you my my take with why I think Saban is the greatest of all time, right? Gino Oriema, he gets brought up all the time, right? Women's college basketball, give me a break. The program he built is amazing. He has 11 national championships, but he did it in 35 years, far more years than Nick Saban. He also has four more titles in Saban, which isn't that many. Here's my problem with Gino Oriema. Women's basketball parody is a joke. Once you get Brianna Stewart, once you get Sue Bird, once you get Rebecca Lobo, it's over. You have a top two or three class in college football. It doesn't work that way. Okay, guys can leave after three years. They're going to stay for four years. Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, Lobo, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart. Yeah. He coached eight Naismith College Player of the Year awards. And again, the guy, people I'm comparing... Nick Saban too. I'm not taking credit away from him. I'm just simply saying why I think Saban's better all time. You know? Like, I mean, there's no parity in women's college basketball once you get up to the top. UConn won games by 50, 40. It's impossible to do that in sports for the most part. Oh, wait. Hold on a minute. Nick Saban says, hold my beer. He beat Ohio State by 28 points in the national championship game. Unheard of in college football, college basketball. You don't win that way. You don't win that way in sports, in college sports. You don't win by 25 to 30 points in the title game. It's supposed to be pretty close. You don't win that way consistently in the regular season. Oh, wait, Nick Saban this year beat teams by almost 30 points. Also, the schedule of the UConn women, the UCLA men's basketball team under Wooden, I'm sorry, did you play 11 games in the SEC? Did you play the most games in the toughest toughest conference in your sport? I don't know, 15 years running, did you play more of those games than anybody else in history? Nope. Did you play during a pandemic? Did you have all the protocols and the rules and the bubbles and the safety and the masks and the discipline and the follow-up? Did you have to do all that shit <clears throat> like Nick Saban? And, oh, by the way, dominate inside that season the way Nick Saban did? Nope. I'm not saying these guys couldn't have done it during this corona bullshit, but uh, Nick Saban just did. I got the proof. I got it right here. He did it. Mike Shashevsky. Amazing program. 40 years at Duke. 
He's got five national championships. He's won one every eight years. Already, Nick Saban has him top there. You want to get to the college basketball tournament and tell me it's harder to win than the college football playoff? Absolutely, I'm with you. The problem is, I counter that argument with this. If you lose one game in college football, you can be done. You can be done. There's a chance that you're out of the college football playoff. Four teams. You lose two, you're dead. See, last year, Alabama. You lose two, you're out. You can lose 10 games, 12 games, and be Duke, still get a 10 seed, and go to the Final Four. While it's hard today, win today, move on, lose today, go home, you can still lose 12 games and look like shit for an entire month of a college basketball season. Trust me, I've seen it year in, year out with Syracuse. And you can still be a bubble team. And because your name, your money that you can drive into the tournament, the fan base, etc., Power 5, politics, you can still get in and then make a run because you're a tough team to play in March. In college football, you lose two games, you don't go to the college football playoff, and you're sent to the fucking Peach Bowl. Those are the big names that people bring up, and it's just not close. It's still, for me, well, it's close, but it's not as close as people think. Pat Summit, God rest her soul, eight national championships. Saban has one less than her. Pat Summit coached for 38 years at Tennessee. 38 years. She won eight. Nick Saban is coached for 20 years. He's won seven. Does anybody think he can't get an eighth? And the same reasons I gave for Oriyama, I'm going to give for Pat Summit. Same exact thing. Women's college basketball, lack of parity, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's just, I mean, you know, greatest college coaches of all time, any sport. I mean, you Google it and you start to just look around and, and you know, I mean, I can just throw, I can throw, you know, any which, any reason whatsoever why Nick Saban is, is better than them, you know? I mean, I'm looking at, you know, what, I'm looking at this top five list right here at ESPN list. I guess there's seven guys. I don't know. I'm just Googling stuff as I go to close the podcast, you know? They, you know, if you do all-around coaches, you know, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other discussion because now we got to deal with Casey Stengel, we got to deal with Red Arback, we got to deal with Phil Jackson. I'm talking just college coaches, just college, just college. I mean, I don't know why people are arguing, you know, anybody besides Nick Saban. You want to look at college football in general, you want to look at Newt Rockney, you want to look at Lou Holtz, you want to look at Steve Spurrier, you want to look at Urban Meyer, you want to look at Paul Bear Bryant, you know, you want to look at all those guys? I mean, okay, let's go to Paul Bear Bryant. Okay, let's go to him. Wore those cool hats. Six national championships. Okay, I'm done. Nick Saban has seven. <laughs> what, you need more? Different era. He could load up his roster on the stuff I talked about earlier. He also recruited predominantly white players. It's a cultural, social game now. Come on. Also, you want to give me the 
Paul Bear Bryant success. You want to give me the Newt Rockney success, right? You want to give me the Steve Spurrier success? Newt Rockney, three national championships, by the way, in a much different era. White sport, not as much parody, blah, blah, blah. Didn't have to travel, lesser schedule. Didn't even play as close to the schedule that Saban has. No pandemic. I mean, I can go on and on. Saban has four more titles than Newt Rockney. All those guys did it at one school, which is another layer to Nick Saban. He's won national championships at LSU and Alabama. This guy is ridiculous. I mean, if you want to compare anybody to him, it's Urban Meyer. Because Urban Meyer won three national championships at two different schools. Florida and Ohio State also had crazy success at Utah. Produced Alex Smith, number one pick. All he did was win, win, win no matter what, at Bowling Green, right? I mean, so, I mean, listen, these are the guys who come up, Saban's better. Period, end of discussion, and those are the reasons why. ML Sports Platter brought to you by our great friends at Rosie's Corner in and around Central New York. Go get the Fish Friday, the Meatloaf Monday, the Chicken and Biscuit Wednesday, and, oh, by the way, pizza and wings are to die for. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Available on Grubhub. Like them on Facebook and on Instagram. Gift cards available for every occasion. Big uh, thanks as well to Axe Exotic Pets, CNY Electrical, Stanley Law Offices, and the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Log on to vcgtransforms.com today to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. Download the pod where podcasts are found on your platform. On your smartphone devices, I always tell you, enjoy the games. They say that home is where the heart is. Maybe that's why so many fall in love with Big Pine Key and Florida's lower keys. With epic ocean views, unspoiled wilderness, sandy beaches, abundant wildlife, RV resorts, and Stock Island's rustic charm. Florida's Lower Keys don't skip a beat. For more about the Lower Keys and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash lower keys. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.